0: You're listening to Legends of Thra, a new podcast from Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. So I'm just thinking we can just like talk about the mystic specifically. What mm-hmm. were our first impressions? What do yeah. we know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you know it quite a bit. Um, for me, I, I like to go into discussing these creatures in my mind. They're real, you know, yeah, know and for you. Yeah, know, so don't.
1: No, I, I, I definitely, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. I have like, um, it's weird because when I watch it, I see them as creatures Yes, and as living beings and individuals. Mm-hmm. So, even though, even when I meet the actors and it's like, oh, here's Toby Philpott who was in The Mystic, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. still kind of weird. There's Mm -hmm. still like, it's not the same connection as if I'd do it for Star Wars. And I don't know if that's because of my emotional connection with the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. so, for example, Toby was in Jabba the Hutt as well. Mm -hmm. And yet, when I view him, I see, even though Jabba's an amazing creature, I still break it down into the puppeteers. Mm hmm was with the Mystics, I think because the human form is so completely hidden mm-hmm. and they're so like in terms of their stance, they're so low to the ground. And as a kid I couldn't I couldn't fathom how they did it. Mm-hmm. So at no point did I think, oh there's a human in that. It was the same with the Landstriders. The Landstriders on their like you know, behind the scenes is yes. a guy is a guy on stilts, right? You felt but, the
0: emotion of the puppeteer in them. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Welcome to Legends of Thra. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host.
1: James Reedy. Hello. (laughs) Hello, James. There's a bit of a delay there. Hello. (laughs) Good afternoon. (laughs) Uh,
0: Before we continue this episode, we just wanted to make a mention that Ethan was going to join us as a regular member. He realized his schedule just wasn't going to fit for him, and so he decided to kind of step away. He might be back on as a guest every so often. We don't really know, but we love him, and we talk to Ethan every day. Um, So just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, But that being said, we are here to discuss uh, a creature from the dark crystal in, in all aspects that is near and dear to both James and my heart, um, which is the mystic, um, which is, you know, I've titled this episode Valley of the Mystics, because I think it's, they are really, really interesting creatures. They're interesting puppets. The way that they are puppeteered the way that puppeteers were even hired for that role was very, very interesting. And they're just really multifaceted. And honestly, I don't know about you, James, but I don't, I feel like people don't talk about them enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. Actually. I think um, a lot of the time the Skeksis take a lot of the limelight. Um, But I think for me personally, when I think about um, the dark crystal, my, my favorite creature is always the mystics. It just, I, uh, 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 they're just the visually I think that, I think because they're, tro- they're sort of the wizard of Thra if you know what I mean um, I just think they're visually they're so uh, unique um, uh, you know even from like the facial features you know all those lovely swirls on the face um, and to the fact that from as a kid growing up when I was watching the film I couldn't figure out how uh the puppeteer was puppeteering them like because the human form is completely hidden in the mystic um so yeah i was just totally i just got sucked into them completely um i don't know about you
0: my recollections of first meeting you know on film um or my watching the film of the mystics was of course in the beginning they're introduced to us right away but only for a second you see them doing their thing and then they call out to Jen. Well, so it's, it's actually it's longer for a se- than a second because Jen has the whole conversation with his master. Um, isn't his master's name Ursu, right?
1: Uh, Ursu, sure, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I remember, again, we've discussed this before and we'll continue discussing in terms of these creatures feeling like real things. And as a kid thinking, this is interesting. Where does this thing live? <laughs> um, like, where do they live and how'd they get this for the movie? Like, I, that's what was going on in my head. <laughs> Again, I did with, with Augur was the same way. Like, where does this lady live? <laughs> and how yeah. did they, you know, like, it was just this real thing. And I think what was fascinating, what fascinated me about the mystics, specifically Ursu, um, but then I know we'll talk about others, but the way that they are puppeteered, they move very emotionally. Their hands, yeah. every every movement seems specific and intentional. And mm. it's every movement feels like magic and the yeah. way that they talk and the way that they speak. And then when Jen is dream fasting with Kira for the first time, you see Ursu picking him up as he's talking about it, his memories of it. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, like, what are there's, these there's,
1: things? There's... The glorious flashbacks, isn't there? Yeah, and I think yeah. that I—that's I, one of my favourite moments because it's only meant to be really like a—it's a, only really a few seconds in the film, mm-hmm. but you suddenly get Jen's history condensed into like those few seconds,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you see like how because because Jen is essentially an outsider to them, so he's adopted by the Mystics, um, and it's it's just amazing to see how each Mystic has added their own um, skills and teachings that make up him. So like you see, um, you know, you see the the, the master um, H- H- Bath in Jen, and then you see the numerologist teaching him maths and mm-hmm. words and stuff. And I just loved that entire sequence mm-hmm. because really um, the mystics don't get a lot of airtime. They're only, you know, I, okay. We get long drawn out sequences where we see them together, but in terms of actually seeing the individual mystics and what their characteristics are you don't actually really see a lot of it so like for example um a maj the cook there's only in that opening scene where you see him grinding up some food and then the rest of the, the rest of the movie he's just amongst them as a group mm-hmm. um but i think for me every time we do get a glimpse at the mystics i always want more Mm-hmm. So, like they're, they're you know, that we have that incredible scene with the um once Ursu has died
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the um the funeral scene. Um, and it's just it's it's it's, it's as magical as Thra gets, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's actually um one of the deleted scenes. So they actually filmed uh, um the Emperor's funeral as well, and as part of that there's like an extended version of the mystic funeral. Mm. And there's this incredible moment where one of the mystics grabs one of the central stones in the valley and his whole hand just grips around it. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's nothing. It's a nothing shot. Right. But there's so much like going back to what you said, so much energy and feeling and like passion in order to get that one shot. And yet it mean it's, it's a nothing scene, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I just, I think they are just, they, and as growing up, as I, as I revisited the film as an adult, I always find myself wanting more of the mystics. Um, they're just, they're just so interesting. And I think they're some of Brian's best designs.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting about the mystics. And again, to your point the portrayal of them whereas with the Skeksis certainly they're a dichotomy the D- skexies are these kind of selfish self-interested creatures that are everything about them is out in the open where the hmm. mystics are the exact opposite of that yeah. they're internal they're quieter they're mysterious um, and that
1: comes from how they're puppeteered as well right yeah, so yeah the people in the Skeksis you're your the idea, you know, the the idea behind it was to be as as brash and as loud as you want, because mm-hmm. that's them, aren't they? That's the essentially your when you looked at that power scale. Like power in itself is a is is an aggressive act, right? So everything they do is over the top.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas the polar opposite to that with the mystics is to do hardly any movement at all. Yes, yes, is to be slow and and.
0: And that draws you into them, like, well, what is going on? What are they thinking? Again, the that that iconic moment in the beginning when um all of the mystics call to Jen and they're raising their voice and they're just calling out to them. And I know in an extended scene, one is at one is at the the river or the the po- the pool where Jen is, right? Talking yeah, to them so, like they're calling you.
1: So this is this is a um, this was, I think, the original work print where um where the skeptics didn't have a language there's a scene where jen gets out like we spoke about last week jen gets out the pool and he's immediately greeted by Erzar, and tells him that his master's dying and there's one that is in need of you um i'm kind of i kind of agree with why they removed it because the way it's played out is very it, it seems very horror mm-hmm. like because jen's just minding his own business playing his flute and he turns his head and there's like a mystic there and right in his face Mm -hmm. and it kind of like the way it was filmed implies that he he should be afraid of them but obviously he's not because they've raised him but i don't know if if, you know that's how i felt i felt on it to be fair
0: yeah i think that that was a, a good choice for them i think it keeps the mystery um that they can call him without saying you know he knows that he's needed without needing to hear the words of the yeah, audience
1: yeah to, and to it's and it's words. more it's i think again it goes back to the thing about being magical like it's 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 weirder like the fact that they just call him with their voice mm-hmm. like he hears that he hears that call rather than that someone he's telling him of,
2: yeah
0: he he understands their magic and, and and for all intents and purposes they seem to be certainly wizards i mean we i don't think that they are wizards per se but there's something there's something surrounding the mystics that aura that surrounds the urs the urskex surrounds the mystics and does not surround the skexes you can feel that mm, yeah. and then when jen goes into ursus hovel to speak to him i don't know about you which i'm sure you you've done this what i do during that scene now i look at everything that's everywhere like, because it's so rich and there's so many props and uh tapestries and every little thing and you just see the world building that contributes to who, what makes the mystics the mystics. Of course, he's talking to the master, but there's so much texture happening in that scene. Yes, they're yeah. talking about history and prophecy and doing this and doing that, but the world that Ursu is surrounded in is so full and rich. I've never seen anything like it before.
1: Yeah, and it's like... um I think it's as close to seeing one of Brian frowns paintings come to life because it's like that. <clears throat> it's like that um, mixture of whether you're not quite sure if the items that you're looking along that back wall are actually part of the wall or they're individual items. So they all mm-hmm. kind of like has that blend and mesh where it's all almost semi living, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. but there's, there's hundreds, hundreds of little trinkets and items just littering that back wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and bl- blink and you miss it. It's literally what that camera shots two or three seconds where the camera just follows Jen as he sits down. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we're into this close-up scene, but where you're right next to them. So uh, it just, it's just incredible, incredible yeah. visually, visually incredible.
0: Yeah. And then you have Ursu speaking and I love the way, again, we know that they're puppets. I didn't know that there was a puppet when I was a kid, but they, they, Operate their mouths in a way where they're kind of like barely opening their mouth, yeah. So it's
1: almost it like a grinding like, motion, isn't it? Yes,
0: and it seems more believable. Um, and they're like, of course, the mystics are these sort of horse like animal, but they have arms like humans, but they only have uh, four like
1: four arms, yeah. four
0: fingers, or whatever, or uh-huh. um, and four arms. Um, and then they just the way that they move is so specific and balletic um and there's also something a little bit like holy slash sacred about them I yeah 100
1: you know. re- it's almost like a religious moment yes isn't
0: it? yes they feel very re- they feel like um priests or Mm. again i mean the term wizard you could say a wizard is sort of like a priest but like a bishop or they just feel very liturgical very steeped in mythology
1: yeah it's um it's funny you should say that because um one of the one of the uh mystic puppeteers was a guy called robbie barnett and he was so talking about spirituality was so moved by the dark crystal that he then went after the film had finished he moved to Tibet to learn from the Dalai Lama so it's incredible to think that this movie wow. that has all these spirituality elements to it he took that on board almost and then changed his life to it mm-hmm. which is incredible really
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: but going back to what you're saying about the forearms and the the puppet on and in total one of the things that I always I, I'd i only really recently noticed was even as even as Ursus Sue's laid on the rock and he's speaking to Jen, you can see one of his other hands like gripping the rock mm-hmm. and ever so slightly, his fingers are just twitching as he's talking and it's little moments, little mm-hmm. things like that, which add that element of real life. He's not just, you know, they could have easily just, it could have been a static arm, but it's, a, it's, but it's 100% it's another puppeteer with the hand inside the glove.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And, um, to an earlier point in terms of you're talking about brian froud and i can't remember where i read this but someone had said somewhere that the mystics if there was if brian froud himself was present in the dark crystal it would be in a mystic and i can see that i mean i've seen brian interviewed before um he seems like a very and i know you've spoken to him yourself seems like a very jovial happy guy but he also seems very intentional and there's a lot going on in his mind. And that's the one thing about the mystics that I love is that you look at them and their mind, their gears are turning. They're yeah. they're thinking about the, the afterlife.
1: Years ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're they're thinking about the prophecy that what's you know, them being called back to the castle. And I mean we haven't even talked uh, spoken about Irvi yet, which is a completely separate <laughs> yeah. like it's a completely separate timeline. But I really think and I don't know how they would even display the mystics in a like a, an aor series to say it was on another streaming network. Or something. Oh, I see.
1: I mean, how, how would they even go back there?
0: Because part of what makes them amazing is their mystery that we don't see a lot of them. You do see, you know, in the original film, it cuts to the mystics here and the mystics there and they're talking and they're like, at last the crystal calls and all of those things, but it's very small. But I think part of that also is those performers can't perform that long so they have yeah. like 30 seconds to shoot a scene and then mm-hmm. the performance have to take a break
1: yeah the to to perform a mystic is so ridiculously hard um you know the guys on you know they had months of preparation before the original movie um the choreography was by a gentleman called Jean-Pierre Amiel um who did all the movement uh for all the for so any of the any creature movements he was involved with in so like the Garthim, the Landstriders, so he, he basically cultivated uh, a template for each of these creatures of how they would move. And then what they did was they had like um, sessions where you'd have all of the uh, mystic performers without the costumes on, just as they are. With they might have like um, uh, like a couple of extra arms, or they might have a staff, and they would just choreograph every single scene that it would be to get it right and to get it, get it to how they wanted it to look. And what's even more incredible is the fact that in the original movie, each of those people, with the Mystics had no... Um, so like inside the Skeksis, for example, they had a monitor. The Mystics didn't have that. So for every shot that they did had to be done blind. So they would, they would um, choreograph the piece, block it out, put all the costume on, get ready to film and go and not know what was happening on the outside, which mm-hmm. to me just blows my mind. Um, couple that with like AOR, which is, you know, years later and how the technology's moved on. So with Ollie Taylor, when he did Irv and and um, Ergo, he had a set of goggles, which was like a um, quad screens, which was linked to the uh, like to the cameras viewing him so as he's doing his performance he can actually physically see what he's doing from Mm -hmm. the outside which i don't know if that i don't know if that helps in a way because that must be really disorientating yeah like having four different visions at you at one time it's not like viewing a monitor where you've actually got a gap and you can move your head Mm -hmm. you can't that's like on a goggle so that's your entire vision yeah, that, I, I so, don't know if that. I don't know if that, It's if like that you're seeing,
0: you're you're operating at first person, but you're seeing it third person, or yeah, s- second yeah. person. That so, would be so
1: you'd have you'd have A and B camera, which would be like um, uh, the two sh- two side shots, but then you also get an aerial view as well. So every movement that you're doing, you're physically seeing in a different aspect ratio. Yeah. which yeah. that must be crazy
0: and uh, again if if it's not being if it's not obvious what we're saying is in part that i think the mystics were the most challenging at least for the original were the most challenging puppet to puppeteer because yeah. um in some in, in some moments there were it was one person operating this inside this puppet and then in other scenes there was somebody else with their arms in the back doing other things in in in, in motion and i can imagine during the hovel scene where jenna speaking to ursu the puppeteer was like yes i can be laying on a i can be laying on like that board or whatever because the puppeteer's arm is ahead of them and they're, yeah, so they're moving the
1: mouth i'm pre- i don't know for sure i'm pretty convinced that his body is just like they'd have laid the puppet down and then, because like the majority of his body is under that quilt. Mm-hmm. So you can, so he's, I think he's just doing the head and then a couple of people are doing a head and the arm and then a couple of other people are doing the fingers and maybe his tail flicks, et cetera. But I don't think he's inside the costume laying on the rock because that there's not, I don't think there's any need for that. Yeah, you're right. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's only in essentially... A semi-close-up so all they need yeah is, you know and then yeah. can, so his hand could have been around the side and the body could have been laying um but I I, I I what interests me about the mystics aside from who they are as creatures who they are as characters in the film is the magic of puppetry behind them is mm-hmm. how many people it took to bring them to life and how yeah. hard it was and i think we i mean i don't know if we need to name names but there were there were people who had a really difficult time in the costume who ended up saying, I can't do this anymore. Um, hmm. So they had to bring other people in it. There were, mm-hmm. it, it was not easy being in that costume. And I, And also people have to understand too, in terms of the mystics, if you look at them, if you actually look at the puppet, what it is, is whoever the person is inside the costume, they're scrunched down on their haunches
1: you're in the the deep squat aren't you yeah
0: you're squatting and then you're moving and maybe sometimes you might have a a cane or their staff which probably would make things easier for them Oftentimes,
1: yeah yeah i was because i was i was wondering about that because there's some early development photographs that were taken of when jim and frank and brian were coming up with the early designs and there's like a prototype mystic and the person's inside the costume, but the arm the front two arms are kind of just well the two arms are there, but there's no staff and I wonder if the staff was introduced to sort of give a, a stable element for when mm-hmm. they because there's like shots where they're like walking on mm-hmm. their on their haunches right and if you've ever practiced that it's like it is ridiculously hard yes it's very so it's almost without impossible. without the staff, I think it it had just been. A million times worse. Yeah. Well, I think and that was introduced.
0: That, yeah, and there's that scene in the original film where I can't remember which mystic it is, but they're walking in the in whatever field they're in, and one of the mystics disappears because um, Skektek ends up dying in the castle. Um, but if you watch them walk, it's very slow, and one of them has their staff in their hand. It's not upright. It's just yeah, that's scary. right, straight
1: out in front of them, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, And if you look how slow they're like, obviously there's no way that they made it to that castle in the time that they <laughs> made it. You know? like It would have taken them, like have taken them a year <laughs> to, to, uh, trying to get yeah. to the castle, but they made it um, and all was well at the end, but they're they're walking that slow because it's hard to walk in the costume. And I think, and you probably know this more than I do, when they set out to create the original Dark Crystal, and I know Brian said this in an interview once, so they were like, what can we design? What kind of puppet can we design around this? So they would look at the mm. shape of a person, like the land strider, which we'll eventually end up talking about. And they design a puppet essentially so someone could be in it to puppeteer it. And I think I'm pretty sure the mystic was similar. They're like, well, how do we make this work? And yeah. so they looked at the human body. They looked, well, what do we look like when we're scrunched over? And there are a bunch of different ideas that they had to get rid of because it was too cumbersome. There was like another person, someone was on their back, and you couldn't really puppeteer that yeah. way for any amount of time. So they came up yeah. with something simpler, but more laborious in terms of work.
1: Mm. I mean, um, yeah, and it goes back to the people they got involved for it. I mean, on the original movie, all, of the, all the people that were mystics, were um performers of some sort either circus performers or ballet or dance so they were or you know yoga it was all they're all used to these how do i put it difficult stances in order to achieve their art so going forward when they got to the mystics i think a lot of these guys you know there's like a great shot of toby philpot who's got the head of the mystic off which, again, for those who don't know, so when you're in, you're in a deep squat position, as it is, and one hand is, your, is either your right or left hand of the mystic, and the other hand is the head of the mystic. So your arm is directly out in front of you. So your, your hand is stretched out with this weight of this head on, trying to give a performance, which is incredible. Um, yeah, and there's this great shot of Toby just sat on a stool. With his head, with the head off, reading a book. And, you know, you, for any, you know, to be in that position for any length of time and then still be able to do that as well, you, you've got to be used to this. This has to be your bread and butter before you can even approach that character. And go much like you said, where they would design the creature around them. It's the same with, um, with, with the Landstriders and the Garthim. So the, the core team that they had for the Mystics were actually essentially the the core team that they used for a lot of the other creatures. So when the Mystics were, because the Mystics weren't used that often compared to say like the Skeksis and the Gelfling, that team would then be become the Garthim or that team would then become the Landstriders. So when you look at like say the call sheets for the movie, you see the same names cropping up a time and again. Um, and Robbie Barnett was the man that, uh, was a circus performer originally by trade and he Came in one day on stilts. And uh, um, you know the, the famous line is, you know, that Brian saw this and said, "Well, what about if you had stilts on your hands as well?" And from that, they then came up with the land striders over the top of that. So yeah, it goes back to that idea that you have a performer and you have a performer in a in a unique position, and then design the animal around that. I mean, there's even, for example, there's like um, early behind the scenes shots where you've got two or three performers laying on top of each other, trying to like, almost like a yes. tower of people trying to build up these creatures. Um, incredible ideas. I mean, I'd love to, you know, if you could go back and watch anything to see all that happening in real time, just seeing these amazingly gifted people just in their element, just creating new things and new positions and that it would be pretty fantastic to see.
0: Yeah. And I, and what you're describing also makes me think about even the smaller things, which might not be a smaller thing, but um, Tim Clark designing the hand. Ugh.
1: and he, at, he he sculpted the whole Mystics man, yeah, like the heads, everything, like the skills and, involved. But him, he man. also sculpted the
0: mechanism for the hands. So in yep. the Mystics, hands are, are human hands, and of course, the Mystics have four, five digits, or four digits, and we have five. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to make each one thicker. But in that, each one of our fingers or whoever was operating it had a mechanism to extend the finger. And so then when you pulled it, like you closed the palm, it closed naturally and yeah, very difficult to do something. They didn't replicate with Irva. And I think they didn't really need to. Um, Irva was being seen in wider shots or whatever, his mm-hmm. hands were already in motion or whatever. Um, I think, the- I
1: think, I think they use the same mechanisms in, in AOR. I just think we don't have the same moments where you'd see that. You know, for example, if you take, there's like a scene where, you know, um, one of the mystics is picking up water and he scoops his hand in order to pick the water. I don't think we get that with Age of Resistance. I think because, I think because Ergo and Ervar are so different in Mm. the terms of how they're, not in terms of how they're puppeteered, but how, they are as characters. They're they're not as they're not as slow and they're not as um, subtle mm-hmm. as what they were in the originals. And mm-hmm. I I think the same mechanism used. I just think it's you don't get that same shot to see that happen. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and and in the original film, I want to point this out to everyone listening. There's a beautiful moment right after right after we've been presented with the Skeksis. The camera, or we're, we leave the castle, and you hear this like heart music. And we go into I, do we go into the valley at first? I can't remember, but you see the no, no, no. So, this is after Ursu's death. That's right. Um, yeah. And you see one of the mystics playing a harp. Oh, yeah. And it it's just oh my God. That's like, good, I can't it? it
1: is. And you see its fingers, yeah, strumming each each string of this heart so let's let's break that down right so you've got Jean Pierre Amiel is in the weaver right so he's head and one hand then you have another puppeteer who's doing the other hand yet those two hands which are separate people are strumming at the same time Mm -hmm. that is incredible yeah to to sync up to that level is is insane yeah. it's just it, it's, it's just that whole moment is just stunning isn't it yeah. i mean i think a lot of people when they think of when they think of the mystics it's that isn't it that moment when you see the weaver just on his harp, it's just in, oh, yeah it's beautiful
0: magic it is some of the best magic in cinema and puppetry i've ever seen and there are a couple of more sequences where i don't know which mystic it is but he's standing over the the sand Uh, draw or the sand image where it's a circle and you see him pour this long whatever wooden spoon thing with more sand and then you see him throw the sand with his hand I mean Mm. these are things that for us I mean we're all sitting here moving our hands or whatever it's no big deal but to your point in terms of who was in the costume to pull that off for that moment took so much time in terms of uh rehearsals and what it looks yeah. like and does it look well, natural
1: enough there's just so many little moments in it where you you just you just if you well, I think if you'd watch it for the first time you'd just kind of discount it because it's just mm-hmm. that creature living like there's mm-hmm. like that shot before before the um mystics leave the valley there's like a shot of the cook and he does like a he pivots he like like um spins yes Yes. on his haunches and wipes the way that sand drawing with his tail. Mm-hmm. And you just think, how, how many times did he do that? Was that like, mm-hmm. you know, how many times did he have to do that to get that right? And yet that's like literally a split second. And yet it's, it must've been a hell of a lot of work to get it done.
0: Yeah. One thing I want to mention too, is in terms of the costuming, um, the costuming on the mystics mm. is really, really intense. And they are, of course they have like, their clothes kind of like pants, but not pants, but whatever they're wearing. And then they have like an undershirt and then under, and then they have like wristbands on or leather, leather, like leather bands. And there's things falling off of them, like Mm -hmm. beads and crystals and things in their hair. And one of the mystics has their hair up in a bun, not really kind of like a, a mystic bun. That's kind of coming back, but, what sells the mystics apart from their performances by these ballet dancers are the the is the costume. What sells the history of who they are and just the the aura of who they are, and oft and much of that was achieved <laughs> by them, by Jim Henson and everyone involved aging the costume, where yeah. aging it to look like these creatures have been wearing these clothes and living in this life in this sort of sandy dusty rocky area for a millennia. Um yeah. moving very slowly just doing their same rituals day in and day out and you can see it all over the clothes and and maybe again you know this probably more than I do in terms of what each thing means but I remember l- listening to an interview with Brian Froud and even with AOR talking about the spirals in their faces. And they're like, mm. yeah, they're not just spirals in their faces. Everything means something different. And each character's different design means something different for that character. They're not just random, like, oh, I'm going to make a spiral in their face. It's all yeah. goes back to that sacred geometry. Um, and crafting that, making that, making it look old and aged and authentic.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, they didn't—they didn't make it easy for themselves, did they? I mean, not only are the not only are the mystics in terms of their fa- uh, facial features wholly unique to each other, you know, even if you've, even if you looked at the sculpt of the head, each one is different; not one is the same. And not only that, then their costuming is completely unique to them as well. Mm-hmm. So the way they approached it was that every mystic, and obviously opposite Skeksis would have a specific job.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: they would, and this kind of comes back to what we were talking only about the names and that. So when they originally did the idea for the characters, they just had a purpose. So it was the cook, the weaver, the dying master, you know, the slave master, etc. cetera. Um, and what I find really interesting is that some of the performers I only refer to them as that, so they'll say, "Oh yeah, I was the weaver," or "I was, I was the slave master." The Skek names and the Ur names, I think, in terms of time, came later when they were promoting the movie. So once the movie had finished and they did all that um, post-production material, like the world of the Dark Crystal, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think those names were put in to give them more maybe more easier to sell Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in terms of a brand and the idea i think as well because the the idea that the the urskeks themselves also have a name which is uh, a single part from the mystic and a single part from a skeksis so Mm -hmm. for example it would be ung im which would be skekong or Mm urim put together um but yeah, I just find it really interesting. So that even even you've got all that material and you've got these individual names as well. Um, I wasn't even, I, I remember. Because they don't know, say those names in the movie at all.
0: Well, they do. They, then, there's, then, there's one they, moment. There's one moment when the, the mystics are coming into the crystal chamber. There's a sketch. Uh, oh, Uru. Uru.
1: Yeah. Uru. And now I remember. That, see, that in itself is is strange because Uru is what, a mystic is that's yeah. their real name is an yeah. Uru. But that's the only moment in the mm-hmm. entire, they're always referred to as a mystic, never an Uru. Yes. So it's strange. Well, mystic <sighs> yeah. seems
0: more like a colloquial name. It seems more like a thra name. Whereas Uru seems more like their, their, whatever p- planet these things are from, it feels like mm. it comes from there, that yeah. mythology. But I also remember when I was a kid, years later reading the world of the dark crystal and seeing the name uru and i'm like uru and i'm like that's weird that's not, i don't know them by that name yeah. but it seemed very um elegant and then i would i watched the dark crystal again and that scene came up and i'm like oh, he called him an uru and i don't know obviously that was put in in post production yeah. you know so they yeah. wanted something um
1: i i wonder if it comes from from the difficulties that they had selling the movie originally so um, with the original, the original idea for Jim was there would be no, e- not a lot of English spoken. So the only people that speak English was the Mystics, Jen and Kira, and Augra. Skeksis mm-hmm. had their own language. There was, and there was no narrator. So I wonder if the word Mystic came later when they went back and re-recorded and put a narrator in because they had to, they had to build a narrative to explain to people what was going on because if you watch that opening scene without on mute and no narration it's it doesn't you know it explains nothing there's there's not you were literally just greeted by skexis right Mm -hmm. so Mm this and then straight away we go to the mystics in the valley and there's still no word spoken until jen walks into his master's um chamber so i think i think i i yeah, I believe it comes from that.
0: It's really interesting. Um, I, I love the name Uru. It, it sounds very. It sounds like the Australian uh, Aboriginal term Uluru, um, which is oh, okay. the name of that rock. There's a big rock called <clears throat> Ayers Rock. I think A Y E R S. And then they changed the name to its its rightful name, which is right. called Uluru. Which I don't know oh, what that word okay. means. Um, but and all all of I these always names, re- I
1: always refer to them as Uru. Like yeah. just because just because I'm a dark crystal nerd. Yeah,
0: I don't. <laughs> I, I tend to say mystic, um, but I think it's important to to note that these names, the Uru, um, they're all based in human mythology too. When they're coming up with these names, they're like, oh, that sounds good. They didn't do any of that kind of thing. They looked. No. They they looked at um, mythology. They looked at names. Sumerian Sumerian um, history, like very early ancient history to inform what this ancient world would be. And you can see yeah. it all over the place.
1: And I think it also, it gives that sense of community. Like it, like if, if you were to, if they were to live, and it goes back to that idea of building the world first, if they were to live as a group of, the, of just them in the valley, they'd have to have specific tasks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you'd have to have a cook. You'd have to have a weaver. You'd have to have, um, a numerologist so it's the idea that they all even though like most of dark crystal even though they're separate they're all adding to that that um same goal uh and it was a same, you know and, and again that's reflected in the skexis you have the same you have the same essentially the same uh names but they're mm-hmm. like an aggressive yeah opposite
0: even the way it sounds is aggressive. Skek, yeah. As yeah. Uru, you know, like yeah. Ursu is more yeah. just elegant and calmer, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. So, whereas um, you'd I, have like the herbalist one side, you'd have, or the alchemist one side, you'd have the scientist the other.
2: Mm-hmm, and,
1: mm-hmm. you know, the similar tu- similar thing, but it's from a, a passive and aggressive yeah. position.
0: Yeah. Um, and which, is the light in the dark. It's the yin and the yang, which is mm-hmm. really what the, the, uh, and represent. also
1: I think that's why <clears throat> with AOR, with ervar and Ergo, the reason they're able to do, the reason they move differently and the reason they are a lot more different, they're completely different to their other mystic counterparts is I think because they're so in contact with their opposite self that mm-hmm. they're, they, they haven't transitioned completely. So <clears throat> in the law, because the mystics and the skexes have been apart for so long, they are gravitating day by day. They're gravitating to the polar opposite of their Skeksis. And the, a mystic is gravitating to the polar opposite of his Skeksis. So the, more, the longer that the mystic is away from a skexis, he's becoming more passive. And the longer the Skeksis is away, he's becoming more aggressive. Yes. With Ervar and Ergo, they are closer to, you know, Ervar is very aware, even though he may not see him all the time, he's very aware that Skek Mal is present in Thra. And he, you get this sense in, in the story that this isn't, when we see them in the, in, in the series, that they haven't, this isn't the first time they've met, that maybe they're constantly in contact with each other. And, specifically with skek mal he's so different to the other skeksis in terms of how he moves like he's he's running all over the place in this series so to have him running your mystic opposite has to have elements of that in it Mm -hmm. and i think that's why we see Irvar very different from some of the other mystics Mm -hmm. and i I think that was actually
0: needed i think I, we we're talking oh, about this privately i think no, it i'm not saying a, about that
1: negatively yeah, 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 I, I yeah. No, no, characters at for 100%. sure
0: i think it was a risk that they took to say let's take a mystic, mystic and do a little bit more with them the same way they did with the Skexi. they're like let's make the skeksis a little bit more not a little bit more way more aggressive <laughs> and yeah. lethal and yeah Irva was not aggressive or lethal but he, he was he was more dominant he was more hmm. of a presence in thra whereas yeah. with the rest of the mystics they just were they were okay just to sort of hide away and be who they are whereas hera Ur- was like no that's not that's not i'm not there yet
1: you know and importantly ervar holds augra to account so they have that wonderful conversation on the hill um and he says you know you turned your eye towards the stars mm-hmm. and 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 she and Oh, what does Augra say? She says something, and then Irvar says, "And you accepted their gifts,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as if to say you knew what you were doing. You know, you 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 were bribed, but you knew this was happening." And he holds her to account. I don't think any of the mystics could have done that because their their nature is not that. They're so far gone now that they're mm-hmm. in this mindset of less is more. And even going back to what you said, that lovely shot of. In the snapshot with Jen, the flashback. Sorry, where uh, Sue picks up Jen. Even that act seems semi-out of place. You now, for for a mystic to n- is meant to not do anything, and is not meant to be in any shape or form aggressive or anything or act at all. To actually see a gelfling surrounded by fire, surrounded by death, and to pick him up and make an action on the world mm-hmm. seem that in itself seems very um uh out of character. Yeah it's gonna be
2: interesting or to out see. of their
1: nature.
0: Yes, totally. And I think it's gonna be interesting to see if they ever approach AOR or the the story again, what other mystics are going to be saying <clears throat> like you shouldn't do oh, this. you, you yeah, shouldn't man. do this. Like this is this is not our role. This is not the part we play in the story. Um, but Ursu being, I mean, yeah, Ursu being. I mean, I don't actually. I would prefer them not telling that story. Maybe there's a couple of flashbacks, like there were instances in where people <clears throat> or characters acted different from their from the role that was expected of them, and it would change the course of the of the earth. So, or of Thra. So, it's going to be interesting to see if they choose to like find out, well, why did the mystic do this? Why did Ursula yeah. do this? And did he mm. go against the the words of his brothers, um, saying, no, we don't get involved. It's not our role in this. And even Irva was doing that himself a little bit, where he was sort of getting involved. I don't know if he should have. And there was the discussion well, yeah. like, I mean, what will the mystics I mean, like, do? Oh, the spoilers. mystics are
1: hiding you know, spoilers guys. I mean, like at the end of the series, he takes his own life. That in itself is not mystic. Like he takes his own life to, cause he sees that as the only way that he can stop the Hunter mm-hmm. and save Rian. Because at that point, Rian is the Hunter has Rian and he's about to kill him. Like if he doesn't make that action and doesn't take that step, the hero of the story dies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, I mean, if he does, I, I don't know. I mean, and when you go back to the, both the skexes and the Mystics, the skexes are very much trying to hide their past. You know, you see that lovely moment in AOR where the general and the emperor are talking about their memories and what they have of before the split. And how it's very hush hush, and you don't discuss this. We're, you know, we're the rulers. We're trying to keep hold of this, and yet the mystics are completely in knowledge of what they are and what they what they what they've done, and are almost shamed in so ashamed of what they've done to the point of inaction.
0: What's exciting about the mystics or the uru? um is there story left to tell and i don't even mean their backstory i don't know if they should cover their backstory we don't need the veil of the mystics completely pulled up part of their mystery is who they are interestingly enough the name uluru from the rock that i was telling you about in australia that name means um i just looked it up and uh, a large isolated desert rock and it reminds
1: me of uru because they oh, yeah isolated. i never knew that yeah i'm taking that um, as fact now I mean, I don't know how old,
0: I'm sure the term Uluru has been around. I mean, it's an aboriginal term, so yeah, it's probably it, been yeah. around for a millennium. course. And they were yeah. just doing their research and they're like, hey, what if we adapted this word? Which I love it when people who know what they're doing and they know how to tell mythology take existing words and they kind of adapt them because it makes the world that they then present or represent it makes it more believable. Um, mm. it, the word is or their words or names or whatever are Are actually based on real things
1: yeah i mean for me for like going back to the idea the discussion about season two i'm quite happy and this is probably sacrilege i'm quite happy not to see the mystics if it means that if it's that difficult to bring them to screen then just just do one you know what i mean like i'm i i don't think we need to have a moment where oh we go visit the valley of the mystic just for the sake of seeing the valley of the mystics <laughs> again <laughs> and i don't and, you know aor didn't do any of that there was <laughs> there was hardly any fan service for for no reason you know what i mean everything felt like that is part of the story because it needs to happen not <laughs> because oh fans love this character we'll just throw that in um and they did such a wonderful job with uh var ergo i you know for me personally if it was just one shot of the master saving Jen, that'd be me done. I'd be mm-hmm. happy with that.
0: Yeah. Or what I could see is them say Brea or someone makes it to the entrance to the Valley and she's met by a mystic and she's like, well, we need your help. And the mystic is like, we're not helping you. That's not why we're here and make <laughs> a really child, mad, you know, we're, <clears throat> And maybe it's a wide shot maybe it isn't a wide shot maybe maybe it is and you see a couple other mystics in the background sort of yeah. slowly walking and they look to see and then they turn away and they walk away and Bre is like we need you what we you know we're so close we need your help and the mystics being like i'm sorry we're not helping you and making brea angry and then so that of she storms away and if that's all we saw of them that's fine with me i agree with you leave them in mystery leave the original film to be the complete unveiling of of the mystic valley or the valley Mm. of stone i think that's what that's called
1: right yeah that's right yeah valley of the stones yeah um
0: and then it's funny because then they have stone in the wood which i think an interesting dichotomy there Mm. um but yeah i i i love them i loved what we see i loved ergo i think ergo was more in line with the original mystics from the original film way more than Irva. I mean, I did like Irva too, and I loved his its presence in everything. um and, yeah. and it and it was different. But I really think they did a great job. And even the behind the scenes documentary um, on AOR, you just see all the love and care they're putting into the creation of Ir- Irva and Ergo and the costume and the design, and it's, they're just really amazing things.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I I think um, for me one of the things that stands out with Ervar is his the voice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, it's a guy called Olafur Darri um, Icelandic, and he has such an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. Like it really does Harper back. I think his voice is the most that Harper's back to the original. The moment he started speaking, I was just I was just entranced
2: because
1: mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. such a deep resonating voice. Mm-hmm. It's just en- I I loved every moment of that. But yeah, I think in terms of design, I think Ergo, I think because again, he was something completely new that we hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that he's got this sort of blacky blue tinged skin, which was just visually completely different to all the others. Um. I, I kind of like the irony of the fact he's called the wanderer and yeah, he doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> he's, just, he's just stuck in that tower with the, uh, with the, with the mental heretic. Um, but yeah, and it, I think, and they them two as characters have actually grown on me a lot. When I first sat down to watch the series, as soon as they came on, as soon as that whole section happened, my, my back went up a bit.
0: Me too. Yeah.
1: And I was like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Yes. Like, and, and I was like, this is, and I think because the series had been so serious up to this point. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about this the other day, the fact that even the, even the original movie, when you watch the original movie, there is not a lot of comedy in it at all. Mm-hmm. As even, even in the Podling village, it's not like laugh out loud comedy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like. like- Funny. Sniggering, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and maybe you know what, and Fizz gig comes out of that hole. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. at first you, you do a little chuckle because of the way he is, but, but yeah, was funny in her own way. Yeah, in her own way, but it, I wouldn't say it was com- comedic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And this was so different, and I was like, oh man, I don't know if I like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But when you view it as a ten episode piece, you need that moment so much because. Up until that point, the tension in the series has just been building and building and building. You know, up to this point, we've seen, spoilers again, the Ormordra has died, the the, the Skexis are, are, are gaining more power, they're starting to drain the Gelfling. You get to episode seven and this episode hits you and it's just to sa- It's to give you relief from this tension because if you go past that, you go to episode eight and you have that amazing scene where Celadon is... Ripped apart by the Skeksis, Mm -hmm. and I think that hits home more once you've had the Heretic and the Wanderer. Mm -hmm. So viewing it now as a fan of the whole thing over and over again, it just it works so well. Yes, because it's just that that little bit of breathing space, and and obviously we have that incredible moment with the the puppet show within a puppet show.
0: Yes, oh, it was a great moment. And also, I feel like the Gelfling Brea, Rhiann, and deet and ostensibly hot hop um they're also us in a little bit they're like they walk into this place they're trying to get more information they're trying to get on their journey they're trying to get back and do what they need to do and they're like and ergo and um uh what's the Skeksis name the heretic the heretic they're kind of like stop no wait and you can t- you can see with the gulfing they're like but We have something to do, but they're like no, and and it's funny, and so they're also like us, where they're like, okay, i guess we just got to sit here and watch this, and then yeah, yeah. The great part of that whole series of scenes that happen in that in that area or or in that set is that it 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 starts off really funny and kind of like what is this, but then they get serious
1: and, and really deep, yeah, don't they? Real deep, real quick. You and know, they're kind they're of say, like pay
0: attention no pay attention
1: yeah. pay
0: attention to what we're saying to you there's history here but the the way it's presented they had to kind of listen first yeah um, and I, I mean i love the i love Hop scene like um in honor of you know like he comes out with that headdress i'm like <laughs> i died laughing yeah. i thought it was hilarious just louder, the performance. Yeah. In honor of guests. <laughs> it's just great. That whole sequence was really great. And yeah. they presented Ergo like in the way he was moving slow. And you have the heretic like, come on, like get it out. Like <laughs> it was just it's just amazing. It was an amazing theater and certainly theater yeah. within theater. And, and
1: what's weird is that moment where they talk about how them being a part is too much for the other to bear. Yeah. Mm-hmm like they're using miniature puppets of themselves and they do that little like hug
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that moment. I think mm-hmm.
2: that,
1: that, that visually hits home more than if the heretic actually hugged the wanderer. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like they're so emotional that mm-hmm. they can't hug each other that we're not going to do it for real. We're just going to show you with these. And it it just hits home so hard. Mm-hmm. It it made it did it like you said it builds up at the beginning. It's really funny. And it's really comedic, and then you have this really emotional moment where they're just like, "We're in agony, like we're in so much pain, not being who we should be."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's one of the things that I love about the law behind Dark Crystal, and it goes back to that uh, what we were talking about earlier, where the Skeks, is, they're so they're so aggressive in how they think that they just, they don't even want to think about it. Like we're not even going to broach that. And even the generals, like he at first he didn't talk about it. He's like, we shouldn't be talking about this. He's like, I know you're the emperor, but we shouldn't be talking about this. Um, Yeah. It's an incredible scene. And then, and, uh, and then take into account the amount of puppeteers needed to do that tiny little puppet scene. Mm-hmm. Like you think how many hands you see and then the, and then, and then the, the planets are spinning and then, and then someone doing the spa, oh, just amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing, um, it's amazing. because I they had that at the um, at the uh, BFI. Is it the Museum of Moving Image in Atlanta? Oh, oh did they, they? had Oh yeah, all oh, that's they had in, all
0: the, the Museum of Moving. Mo- 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 the Museum of the Moving Image is in New York, and then in what's Atlanta. The one in, what's is the one in Atlanta? The, the Museum of Puppetry, or the Puppetry Museum, or something like that.
1: Yes, it was. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the one in New York is, has all the dead characters, doesn't it? The one that I'm referring to, which I think is in Atlanta, is the one they had um uh Irva and a few others, but they had all the excuse me, had all the little puppets from that puppetry show. And what I thought was really nice is it, it listed as well. All the people involved. It had like a little plaque and it said who the individual puppeteers were. And I thought that was really nice because that's something that you don't often see, which was really yeah, cool.
0: Yeah. And again, that whole sequence just goes, it just is one amongst so many in a show that should not exist, a show that Mm. shouldn't be as good as it is, Mm. um, where they just created this magic and this storytelling that felt like sacred. It almost felt like the birth of Christ. Like that's, that's how sacred (laughs) it felt like the nativity or something like that's kind of the aura around it. Like, no, let's, we're going to tell you how this all began. I I could watch it over and over. It is really something
1: special. Yeah. And I, and I think we was see, from, from from my opinions changed as well because I was quite. I don't know to say disappointed. Oh I, no, I was. I was. I, I was disappointed. We didn't see the Erskigs arrive on Thra in like a sequence. Hmm. But the puppetry, the puppet show within the puppet show, is so great mm-hmm. that it's good enough. If that makes sense, it, mm-hmm. it's such a uh, such a wonderful sequence that it just it erased that disappointment in an instant.
0: I hope we never see the urskeks Like, I love their final reveal in the original film. Yeah, and that- you
1: know what's really interesting is from seeing it through someone else's eyes, so just a little backstory, this, this week, my, my, I was speaking to my cousin. My cousin's never watched this at all. They, most of my family don't know I actually am this obsessive about Dark Crystal. <laughs> uh, and I said, oh, you should watch it. And she watched the series first. And then watch the movie, right? Wow. And at no point did she say that there was a disconnect. She just completely absorbed everything about it. And just, I mean, she watched the, all of it within two days hmm. and the documentary. So I was like, I wow. oh, enjoyed it then. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool wow. to see it from her view, like someone who didn't have any knowledge of this world whatsoever. And to see that she still enjoyed it and you can't and and the way the series is done, you can, even though there's a gap and you know, you know, there's a lot of characters that are brought in, you can it still tallies up. You know what I mean? You can Mm -hmm. still watch it as the series first and then the movie if you want to. You can
0: connect the two without I mean, yes, the series is missing some things, but you can connect them without having to have that other part.
1: Yeah. I mean, she I mean there was, I think, a bit of a emotional turmoil when she realized that none of the kill have survived, <laughs> but yeah. you know, yeah. it is what it is.
0: We'll see, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Um, we should probably close, it's about, about been about an hour. What do you think? Yeah,
1: if you, if you okay. want to,
0: yeah. Well, I think that there's so much more to talk about, even in terms of the mystics and the or the Uru. Um, everything is so weaved together. There, you know, there are characters who, um, Cross, p- cross paths with the mystics in the original film or the series. Um, so we'll probably eventually come back to them again.
1: Oh, 100%. We, yeah. w- what
0: we're trying to do is talk about the show in a way that honors everyone involved in every aspect of the puppetry, the design, people who are on set, how they were filmed, how they were acted, the mythology. So, this is just and 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 we'll probably hopefully have either toby philpot or someone on who was actually inside a mystic to talk more about that they've been interviewed before but we want to get into it further what that was like to create a character like that that continues to live with us as fans of the show
1: so yeah for sure definitely i think that's that sounds like a good plan
0: so thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back again with another episode of legends of Thrust. take care everyone
1: Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal Podcast, is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter
0: and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know
1: more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.